Come with us now, if you dare, down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits the Saturday Night Freak Show? (laughs) Welcome back, ladies and germs, to the Saturday Night Freak Show podcast. Every Saturday, we're coming at you right here on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Castroller, and more fine repositories of internet talk shows. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show, where you can reach out and talk to us, and we'll probably read your comments on air later in the show during Igor's mailbag, right before the wrap-ups. These are the Internet Radio Superstars. Brent. Jenny. Sean. (laughs) Travis. And I'm Colin. And every week we pick a movie uh, down the batting lineup, and tonight it fell on me. So tonight we watched Only God Forgives from, I believe, the year 2013, directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, who you may or may not know as the director of Drive. So this was the follow-up to Drive. And, uh, did the guy, he write Drive? He did not. He wrote and directed this. Now I get it. Yeah. That was written by Hossein. Wait, Amini he wrote or some, someone wrote this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened? Where was the dialogue? All right. So. When you write something, usually there's something for actors to do. <laughs> uh, all right. So very briefly, the movie is about a expatriate American criminal named Julian, played by Ryan Gosling, who's living abroad in Bangkok. Uh, he has a front business uh, for his drug selling, which is like a Muay Thai. Am I saying that right? Muay Thai. Muay Thai boxing uh, establishment. His brother uh, rapes and murders a 16-year-old girl and then is uh, pursued by this cop named Chang. And Ryan Gosling is supposed to take care of this guy for his mother who runs the organization. She's just a fucking monster, played by uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. She might be the, like, evilest character, the least liked character I've ever seen in a film. Like, she is just despicable. She's a piece of work. She's a piece of work. Um... Well, I mean, I guess we can start where? Uh, do, we, do you want to start with uh, a little background on the director? Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, he's an interesting cat to me. And, you know, I picked this movie because I'm, like, obsessed with it. So, uh, uh, and for, you know, like, a number of reasons. But I think it's interesting that, you know, there's, like, there's two filmmakers out of Denmark that you can talk about. There's Lars von Trier and Nicholas Winding Refn. Which has got to be like a, a crazy amount of pressure on, on those guys because you think of world cinema and you know Denmark for like two fucking guys. Wow. Where's uh, is this why? Huh? So is this why? Are usually okay? <laughs> why, why? 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 Well, are all Denmark filmmakers just? I mean, it's photography, right? <coughs> but is it? Well, I mean, when we talk about like what they're known for over there, and I'm trying to think if like I think um, the guy who directed the si- the Seventh Sign is the Seventh Seal, Seventh Seal Bergman. He's Swedish, right? Uh, Ingmar Bergman. Ingmar Bergman. Yeah, yeah I think so. Like uh, well, I mean, you know, if you look at like Lars von Trier stuff, I mean, his stuff's like very melancholy, very depressed, uh, very heavy. 
winding refn stuff is like also <laughs> kind of like metaphysical heavy you know kind of stuff except for maybe like drive which is like the the anomaly i think in his filmography and again i haven't seen the pusher trilogy i haven't seen fear x i did i saw valhalla rising uh, which is a Viking movie that I really liked before Drive and didn't re- recognize that it was the, the same guy mm. until I put it together afterwards. But um, Drive kind of like elevated him to a status, I think, like, you know, um, in worldwide cinema where it was like, oh, hey, take a look at, you know, this was a thing because Drive was like a uh, a pop. Well, it wasn't like a pop culture phenomenon. It was a, a, critical, a crit- critic favorite, right? Yeah. I mean, there's people who say that it's like one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. You know? Did it make any money? Uh, it made its money back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's definitely like a. Uh, it's the best movie of all time. Well, not not the best. Just one of one, one of the of, best. I so I don't know, like how many how many movies are in that? You know, yeah. a couple hundred. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's an insane statement. <laughs> I don't but, agree uh, with that at all. Uh, I mean, I, I rem- what what year did that come out? 2013, maybe? Uh, Drive was like 2010 or 2011. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing it and thinking like it was like maybe one of the best films of the year that I had seen. Mm -hmm. It was a a standout among everything else that you'd see. It seemed very original. Um, But yeah, like I can still see the director in this, but it's just so different. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Drive has like I mean it's a lot more of a commercial movie, yeah. Right yeah. with, I mean I guess they're both involved with the criminal underworld. Right. More of a straightforward narrative, I would say, in Drive than say this movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But even then, I mean, Drive subverts your expectations. Like you know, if you're expecting, you know, in that type of mob type movie with your lone anti-hero, you know, there's going to be bigger car chases or you know, uh, these action moments, which Drive certainly does have, but it... Right, it's it, a more low-key version of that. Yeah, and it kind of... But they're they're done expertly. I mean, the movie itself, like, if you look at, like, what the filmmaker was trying to do, I think, it's, like, it's executed, like, it's one of those, like, a near-perfect movies. Mm. I mean, it's This done, one? Uh, no, Drive. Oh, Drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not this one. <laughs> well, 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 I don't even think Drive... Having your main character not emote for shit, I think is... a I think it's fucking stupid. I think it's, it makes drive horrible. I think it makes this horrible. Why well, have a dude that your brother's dead? Just <laughs> blankly staring. Finger your pussy. <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense. It just, it's so fucking stupid to me. It just like screams of pretentiousness. Screams of it. It's like, well, I, I just don't fucking get it. I don't get it. I don't see why. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Well, <laughs> Stare. Everybody in this movie walks around like a zombie with a blank face. Yeah. Like, it just it's, it seems like such a fucking art house piece of shit. Like, I mean, cool. There's cool colors. I'll give it that. Cool photography. But does that make a fucking movie? I don't think so. It's cool photography. It's a component in it. I don't, I well, yeah, that that's one component. Movie, yeah. But I don't make think it makes a good fucking movie. And we watched the movie, so mm-hmm. I'd say, yeah, epic fail. Well, I was <laughs> I was thinking about that while we were watching it, and yeah. It, it, the photography is sharp and it looks good, but like it's almost like this guy, like the it should be like a still photographer, 
you know, that like these, these images, they call them movies because people are supposed to move <laughs> or, or something should happen. But like, there's just the, like these long scenes of just like, just staring blankly, you know, and it, the composition is good. You know, I mean, it it's felt like, like it froze sometimes. I've heard yeah. a few scenes. I'm just like, did the DVD freeze? Like, uh, yeah. Like, is it, <laughs> did somebody hit pause? Yeah. yeah it felt like it, like going but, into a scene, everyone's just frozen. Yeah. And they went it's one of those movies where, like, the person will, like, turn their head, and all of a sudden they're, like, walking through somewhere. And you're just like, oh, what are they, you know, you have to, of course, get to the fact that, oh, he's thinking of something. What yeah. is he thinking of? Well, that's eh, just fingering more pussies. That's what this one has that uh, Drive doesn't have, I think. And Val- but Valhalla Rising does. So it's like that one also is written by reference. I'm like, is this a thing, the whole the vision quest idea or injecting, like, a character's... Uh, I mean, they have to. It's a vision that they're having that somehow foretells the future. Um, in this movie, Julian, early on, uh, you know, goes to see this prostitute, Mai, who I guess he's having some type of relationship with. But it's a strange relationship where it's like he, she ties his hands down to a chair so she can pleasure herself. And during that, like the act of her, uh, you know, well, I think it's the, at the moment she's coming is when he has like this vision and he sees Chang, who he hasn't met yet, like yeah. walk into the room with mm. his sword. And this guy has like this magic sword that he just pulls out of his back, like you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. at various points during the movie. And it's like, where did that fucking sword come from? Like, it's <laughs> he doesn't have a holster or anything. From it just him. like magically appears. Yeah, it comes from like within this guy. It's not just under his shirt. No, because you see his back. He's oh. at, when you see his back, he's not carrying this sword, but it shows up, like you know, to you know, punish uh, all of these <laughs> offenders. You know, anybody who sins, basically, in the movie, right? Um, I forgot where I was going with that. Lost the lost the thread. Uh, <laughs> well, we were talking about. I mean, yeah, the the, the vision quest that, mm-hmm. that these characters are going on, or maybe that's a similarity from his other films. Well, I think that, but that's what makes this one harder to follow. You know, because you're seeing these moments where a character is like staring off at something, and then you see what he's staring at, and it's like, well, that doesn't match. You know. He's in the room with, you know, another character, but he's seeing this third character he should have no knowledge of. Yeah. So is that a flash forward? Is he dreaming or is this a premonition of the future? And it's like the only way that I can take it is this has to be a premonition of the future based on the way that he reacts when he does finally meet Chang. He reacts. When <laughs> Chang comes into his um, the boxing gym. Yeah. He follows him because, you know, it's like now you've seen this guy in real life who you've seen only before in a vision. So he follows him down the street. Well, no, the, the guy, guy that actually killed his brother tells him that the cop. So he's aware of this cop that 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 cut off his arm after he, you know, because. Yeah, but that that happens after at, like he that vision sequence happens when he's in the room with the prostitute. But and then, then a knock on the door or whatever, and then he goes to the door, and the guy's there and tells him your brother's dead. But then they take the then they take the guy that actually killed the brother. He tells him with the cop, and then when the cops come and like interrogate him, that's when he sees Chang or whatever fuck his name is. And then he follows him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that's because well, I guess you can read it either way, right? Well, I think he just knows that that's like the head of the cops or whatever fuck, right? Whatever the yeah. guy, whatever the guy told him. 
Yeah. Well, I guess that raises the question, are these visions, I mean, is it an omniscient, you know, from like a, a filmmaking or editing standpoint, is it just showing the audience something that the character might not be aware of that's going on? You know, like the flashes, is, is that, is that Gosling's point of view? Is that Julian's point of view? Or is that, you know, the, uh, just for the audience? Well, which way does it work or does it work, I, well, I guess, at all in the story? I think unless this guy is like some sort of supernatural being, the cop, I think that it, it works better where the from a filmmaking standpoint, you're showing the audience something that will connect later on, you know, with the chopping off of the hands. I would say you're showing something that is kind of happening. You're looking at you're looking at two different things happening at the same time, right? He's sitting here watching his fucking girlfriend pleasure herself or whatever the fuck. And then you're flashing to the arm getting cut off. At least to me, that's because right after the scene we're talking, that's when he finds out his brother's died. So I don't know. It's kind of like while he's sitting here watching this chick, this is when, this cop is cutting his arm off of this guy. And I, I mean, I don't know. I think the filmmakers just mixing it together to show you these two things happening at the same time, not necessarily a premonition the guy's having. It's just, it's just the filmmaker flashing images. Well, maybe, but it, it actually, it seems to happen again. There's another scene where well, that was his boner talking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, because yeah, no, yeah, he's sitting in the fucking. Oh, this movie is so fucking retarded there's to that, me. But there's <laughs> he stare at his boner. No, and it, then he envisions the girl taking his hand and once again fingering her fucking. Uh. <laughs> well, I have, I have, because uh, I've I've seen this like several times now, so I have a theory. So I, I'm going to come <laughs> around to this. Fingering well, pussy? I think no, I think it's, <laughs> it's all predicated on the hands. Yeah, because he's obsessed. Like he's always staring at his hands, and there's so many shots of his just his hands. Yeah, he's fixated on it. Because after watching this so many times, I'm like, there's got to because you watch it the first time, and you're like, what in the holy hell is the motor the reason why we're showing this guy's hands? You know, well, he's like, he, he was a fighter, right? He's a tough guy or some shit, right? So his whole right. life is built on. Uh, yeah, was he a fighter? Stupid. No, he well, no, well, a street kid, right? If you're going to be in that right. business, you're kicking ass in the street, right? You're, yeah. So he murdered his father with his bare hands. With his bare hands. I think that's. That's the chemo. You find this out like later in the yeah, movie. This happened. Yeah. Fuck. I, must I think that's. <laughs> I think that's the key to understanding the whole. The now this is just one interpretation. So if you guys see no, something, that's probably else, it. You I was me, right? <laughs> that that makes sense to me. Like that's he's got. Okay, so the first time I see him now, knowing this, that he killed right. his father, and that's his sin, and that leads to the end of the movie, and that's right. why they get cut right. off. Yes. And so the whole way through it, he sees his hands as the 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 key to his own personal demon or sin, right? Yeah. He washes his hand and there's blood on his hands. You know, you actually see it, so it's like, okay, he's got yeah. blood on his hands, what for? We find out from the... What for? Yeah, was that coming out of the faucet, or was that just... He was just washing. Out of the faucet. It was it coming was out of the faucet, but I think it's blood supposed on to be. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. in order for Julian to somehow be, like, a real person, you know, it's like, to him... Uh, the scenes, you know, he, when he visits the, the, the prostitute, she ties his hands down. It's like, okay, so he can't, you know, he's not allowed use the, 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 yeah. the sinful devices, right? In his second vision with her, 
where she's actually taking his hand and putting her hand like in in her lap, it's like she's somehow able to. I mean, how do you read that, right? It's like she's caressing his hand. It's like somehow she's accepting of it or removing the the, mm. the, the stigma with the hand, right? Maybe. And yeah. then, but that's just a dream. So, you know, yeah. it's like, and whether that's like something that he desires is like, you know, that I want to have a, a regular relationship with a woman because he's got like all sorts of <coughs> issues there, which we'll, we got to come double back on. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, then, you know, you have, like, the end scene where, you know, the guy, like, actually cuts his hand off. And it almost seems like, you know, Julian wants this to happen. Yeah, he's presenting you know? for it. Like, at least in the vision part of it. Yeah. I don't know because it doesn't explicitly tell us what happens in the nightclub where they're at the end. But in his vision when they're standing in the woods and everything, he is presenting his arms to yeah. be removed. So somehow he's going to be, you know, saved once these appendages come off, mm-hmm. you know. And there's also, I mean, so the other thing, you know, once, uh, you know, Chang kills, and this is, I'm sorry, we're totally into spoiler territory, but once Chang kills his mother, mm-hmm. he, uh, Julian comes in and finds the mother's corpse, and he stabs her with a sword in the stomach or uterus. I don't know what he's aiming for there. I and think that's what he's aiming for. reaches his hands into inside of her, and it's like, okay, so what the fuck is it? Is he trying to? I think he's going for the womb. So he's trying to. So well, you either read it as this is some kind of sex act with the mother. You know, if he's going, he's somehow penetrating the wound with his, you know, his hands. Uh, You can see it as he's trying to get back to the womb and become a child again and find his mother's love. Oh Jesus! Or. Or what's the third one? Uh, well, or he's cleansing his yeah, and somehow transferring the it blood from the right. mother. to the mother. Yeah, because he's yeah. putting his evil, you know, appendage inside of her. Right, and she's the evil one. Yeah, and he, it all it seems like both of their sexual deviancies stem from the mother, obviously, with the unhealthy relationship that they had growing up with her. You're saying Billy, the brother, and Julian. Yeah, Billy and Julian. Because early on, Billy, before he gets whacked, or whacked, before he I mean, whack, dies. Literally gets, whacked. Yeah. Like, before he gets his skull crushed in, um, he's going around trying to fuck a 14-year-old, basically. That's what he wants to do. And he ends up with a 16-year-old and ends up murdering her. Mm-hmm. And that's not normal. Right. <laughs> so, and then, obviously... Uh, Gosling with the whole Julian with the whole you know hands and the weird sexual acts and the prostitutes and well it's underscored once we actually meet the mother whose name is Crystal I want to say but I mean she's a fucking piece of work she's yeah. this foul mouth uh, she dresses like a Barbie doll or something right I don't even know what you'd call that yeah you know so, and comes she over dresses from, like a real housewife of LA or something yeah. like that. yeah that's basically what it feels like and she comes over from the states and she's just verbally abusive to everyone around her when she finds out you know that Gosling didn't kill the uh the guy who um who did actually murder well see oh yeah the guy who killed her son right yeah. she's disappointed in Gosling you know it's like cuz he's like you know Billy raped a sixteen-year-old, raped and killed a sixteen-year-old girl, and the mother's response is, "Well, he well, must I have guess. had his reasons." <laughs> you know. Yeah. <clears throat> then you find out that, like, you know, Billy was the favorite son. Gosling was always, or you know, Julian was always uh, jealous of him. She 
dresses down uh, Julian in front of his date at a restaurant by say, saying that basically he's got a small dick compared to his brother. Yeah. Which is like, what in the holy hell kind of relationship do these people have? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of set up in the scene where you meet the mother and uh, Julian for the first time and she like grabs his ass. Yeah, she like gives him a hug, but it's not because she's sitting on the bed and he's standing there and he she hugs him pretty close but then she, all, her hands are all over his ass i'm like what the fuck and then after that she's like stroking his arm or yeah. whatever it's all kind of like leading to this idea that like there's okay there's some kind of weird history weird sexual history with mother and and her sons which is then paid off in their psychology to make them like you know they're deviants they're they're bent yeah. somehow because yeah. of this treatment and it's also implied or stated, I guess, in the scene where um, um, Crystal is talking to the cops and she says that, you know, um, Julian was always jealous of Billy. Billy and I had a special relationship and Julian was paranoid and manufactured things in his mind and saw things that weren't there, blah, 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 which is her, I think, covering for the fact that she was having some kind of relationship with her kid. Right. Yeah. 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 All right then. <laughs> so, that's the mom. question answered. That's yeah. yeah, that's their mother. But and that's I Played mean like Kristen Scott Thomas. I who, guess I I've never seen in a role like this before. No. Yeah. She's always like Gosford Park or right. Or stuff like that. Random hearts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean her the problem with her character is the problem with all of these people. I would rather see them get killed than they're deplorable. Every yeah. character is fucking yeah. There's nobody. There's nobody shit. to root for except nobody. maybe the prostitute. Uh, Not no. even. Well, actually, mm-hmm. it's probably Chang, right? Well, I thought it was, but I mean, Chang, he's pretty horrible too. I mean, he's into. I mean, he's torturing these people. He's not just yeah. getting revenge. He's, you heard him sing? Torturing these people. Torture. Yeah. <laughs> torturing them. But you know, I mean, I guess if you have to root for somebody, it would be Chang. Well, only because, I mean, I guess he's supposedly on the side of justice. He's a retired cop or something, right? Yeah, the the back of the case has him described as a figurehead of divine justice. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, he's always giving these lessons right before he kills the character, you know, how you need to be a, or like, his, the punishments that he doles out, like with the the father of the you know the 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 sixteen year old prostitute that gets killed in the beginning, he's got three other kids. This guy, three other daughters, and or maybe three total. I think well, three, four yeah. total. Okay, so one was killed, and you know he's begging for his life from this cop, and the cop says that he's gonna chop basically chop off his hand so that he doesn't allow this to happen to his other kids. So he, yeah. he never forgets his other daughter. Why did you stop her? I didn't it's his fault that she got to that line of work. Yeah. yeah. But I wonder if that scene would have gone a different way, right? Because the setup is, you know, Billy has just killed the girl and is still in the room with the girl. So, mm-hmm. you know, the the police discover this and then bring up uh you know, so Chang brings up the father and basically says, this is the guy who killed your daughter, you know. Do what you want. Yeah, what do you want to do? Do what you want. So he gives him, in a way, and okay, this is reading into the, the divine, you know, retribution or whatever thing. He gives, he gives him, him a choice of free will. 
Yeah. Because the father beats the you know Billy to death with a club, that's why he loses his hands. I think it's still because I mean he he asked he 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 asked the guy that he's aware that I mean he's letting the, his daughters be whores because they're poor. Yeah. He's almost. I mean, I'm not. And that happens before. Yeah. That happens before the choice, right? He no, that ha- no, that like, happens when he goes out. So- yeah, yeah, when, when they got him kneeling on the ground. Yeah, point. right before he cuts off his hand, he knows he's going to cut off his hand because he's just saying you've made a poor choice, and so you're going to lose an arm over the choice you made because you know. You but just- you think that would happen mm-hmm. even if he didn't kill? Uh, yeah, he's like saw or whatever, right? Well, because he specifically says, you know, I'm doing this so you don't forget. You don't ever forget about your other three daughters. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's, it's not. Or you had a chance to do something and now, you know, well, no, he said that before. Well, and, gonna kill the guy. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, I would guess that even if, you know, he had just beaten the shit out of the guy but not killed Billy, he still would have lost his hand just because that's a, I, I don't quite know the metaphor for it, but it is. It's it's so he never forgets that because like he when they first bring him up to the room and he's saying that he doesn't know where his daughter is or what she was doing and basically that he's forgotten about her, you know. But I mean, she's obviously bringing in money, but mm-hmm. he doesn't care about it. So basically, he's like, you know, don't ever forget that you have these three daughters and they're uh, you know somebody people you should care about or take care of i guess Hmm. but then because then the next scene you see him or one of the next scenes you see him go home and you see that chang has a daughter right yeah which Which, he seems like those are the scenes where it sets him up as like he's a decent man right yeah i mean maybe i don't know i mean we see we just see the fact that he has a a daughter and uh, dotes on her or something. I don't know. He seems like maybe absentee for during the day when he's off doing whatever the hell he's <laughs> sure, doing, yeah. dealing out this justice. Yeah. Which is also strange when you think about it because it's like this guy supposedly isn't – did they say he was retired in the I, movie? See, I, I just took it as he was like, you he's know, top, top. like a detective or something or, yeah, yeah, something more. Yeah, he's always he, around the police. Yeah, and he had a, but he had a different uniform on. He didn't have the – you know, patrol uniforms like the other police officers did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had the white collars. And I don't know if that's his uniform or just he wore the same thing every day. This is one of those type of movies where, for the most part, other than Crystal, everybody, like, wears the same outfit, you know, like a, like a cartoon character. Like, mm-hmm. they, I guess Gosling changes. He has his suit and his tie. And his white shirt. And his white his shirt or his, or his black his, shirt. He's got his muscles. <laughs> <laughs> he's got them. Well... All right. Well, I mean, it's because uh, I, I guess for some reason, and I mean, maybe it's because of the title when you go like, you know, the title's only God forgives. And it's like, well, what the fuck does that, you know, you watch the movie and you're like, OK, so are we supposed to read it as, you know, you know everything's like a symbol? And in which case, like, is this the, the God character? I don't know if this is true or false, right? There are moments, though, that do kind of back it up, it seems like, because. The first time that we see uh, Chang after he does the the what, what played to me is like a question of free will mm-hmm. and the guy chose chose poorly while uh, the guy's killing Billy, <clears throat> a little old man comes up to Chang and he's shaking and he offers him like a, a drink or something like that tea you know or tea or something right yeah um, it always seems like there are scenes like which either underscore. Uh, 
like an offering. They're either giving an offering to Chang or they're worshiping him in some way. Or in some cases, there's a sacrifice made to appease Chang, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like like he's been doing this for a long time. The arms. And he has a magical knife. Yeah, the magic god sword. Yeah. But I think another way to read it, you know, on later viewings, I'm like, is, you know, because there's a scene specifically where Ryan Gosling challenges Chang to a fight. And right before he does, uh, the cop comes up to him and says, do you know who he is? And Gosling nods. And then, you know, do you want to fight? And they go and they fight in this like thing that's been built up you know, with a lot of slow motion and this music and Gosling doesn't land a fucking, you know, blow at all. This guy just totally obliterates him. Yeah. Um, But in that moment, I'm like, and and also right before that, you see like all the boxing kids come and kind of gather around Chang and they bow to him or whatever the hell they do. Oh, I'm like, yeah. Is it possible, right? That Chang is the fighter who's, statue oh i totally is standing in that club yeah so you don't you know who he is yeah i know he's he used to be you know and now they've got it like a bronze idol of him him. right in the in the front room yeah of this club so it's like he knows i mean at that you're taking the supernatural out of it that's just saying that this guy was a muay thai fighter and like one of the best ones you want to take him on kind of thing yeah oh no that's definitely and so at the Jump into the end real quick. Um, the Chang, perhaps Chang is forgiving Julian for because Julian well, saves his daughter. Like he has the option to kill. Like they go, Julian and his, you know, whatever his his henchman buddy. They're they're there. They're at Chang's house to towards the end to wipe out you know anybody and everybody associated with Chang. And his daughter comes in and Julian uh, saves her by shooting the guy he came with, the other hitman, and killing him and allowing the daughter to live. Um, Chang obviously, you know, knows that he did that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the he still doles out the punishment, but maybe it's a forgiveness thing. It's like, you're going to lose your hands. Or maybe Julian even wants him, like we were saying, you know, maybe he wants him to do that or he suggests it, just, you know, mm. so that there won't be any more violence. I don't know. I... That's, yeah, but this this movie leaves a lot up to interpretation, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, if we if it is only God forgives and Chang is the God character, then I guess that might make sense. Well, the only thing that keeps throwing it, you know, because I'm like, yeah, I don't think he's God. I'm like, if you if no. you take that as a reading, the punishment and say like, okay, that's he's it, not it, forgiving. Well, he well he. It seems like the only person who really forgives someone, it seems to me, in this movie is Julian for giving the guy for killing his brother. Right? Yeah. He comes there with a gun to shoot the guy because who hired you to kill my brother? It turns out nobody. The guy killed the brother because he raped and murdered his Mm. daughter. And so Julian is like the only character that seems to have like, well, okay, not the only character. His like flaw then in some way for fitting into this criminal organization is that he has empathy, right? In two scenes in the movie, one being, you know, where he empathizes with the guy who lost his daughter, so he spares his life. And then uh, again at the end where they've come to kill Chang 
And the guy says, no, we're here to kill all of them, including the little girl. And at that point, Julian makes a decision because – and I think that one's significant too, that he kills that uh, that henchman because that's actually – that seems like that guy was his buddy because everybody else is like a hired person who comes yeah. in and they pay off. But that guy has been around since the beginning of the movie in the boxing club. Uh, so the fact yeah. that he kills his buddy to protect the girl, that one seems like that one's more significant to that character, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. You'd think he could have just talked him out of it. Right. Like, yeah. hey, no, we're not going to kill her. Well, everybody seems to answer to the mother. I mean, the mother, when the mother comes on the scene, it's like she overrides everybody else. Yeah. In the, in the criminal dealings, because they underscore that in a scene where they go to see, what is it, the British guy who runs the, whatever, the club? The brothel. Yeah, the brothel. And he go, when she goes to see him and hire him, she says, you know, I got a shipment coming in. And I'm like, well, what about Julian? And she's like, you know, yeah. basically I'm in town now, so you deal with me. Right. Yeah, that's true. This is the second movie because Drive has a scene set in a strip club where there's violence going on, where the women have to avert their eyes to see what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, a theme going on here? Mm-hmm. There's a torture scene in this movie that goes on for like 10 fucking minutes, it feels like. It's long. (laughs) Jenny also closed her eyes. Was it too excessive? It was the best part of the movie. The only (laughs) watchable part. I up. The ears is the one that got me because you could hear. (coughs) Yeah. So, you, well, maybe you should break down what happened. Well, I mean, all the violence in the movie is, I wouldn't say, well, maybe extreme, excessive. When somebody gets slashed, you know, you see ribs broken, blood squirting out. There's people getting stabbed in the throat that opens Seems to up. Seems be a and, theme in, him as, in his movies. Yeah, the the super violence. Yes. But this one is like, I, like, all of a sudden you're dropped into like a hostile movie or something where, I mean, it seems painful where this guy is getting these, what are those skewers for? They're all over this brothel. It's like, they were oh. like, they're like hair. Yeah, um, he took it yeah. out of some girl's I don't know hair what you first. Call hair spikes. Yeah. yeah. You know, hair spikes. To keep the well, hair together. Yeah, like it's They're like chopsticks that you keep Asian in your hair. Asian women pull do them out, lot, start eating rice. in a bun and then they use these two little, they're yeah, like, yeah, they're, they're like, like chopsticks. Metal, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen him, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but a lot of Asian him. women wear them in the buns. He puts those into the guy's arms and, you know, and is interrogating the guy. It's like, you know, who hired this hit? And his hands kind of like where Jesus guys. Just saying. Yeah. And then in the knees. Yep, and then he cuts his eyes out and then. Stabs him in the ears. Slits yeah, his eyes. Slits his eyes, and then he gets like an ice cool. pick and puts it in his ears. That's the most horrifying part. That the was, eyes. That was, really? I yeah. Even when we watched, uh, <laughs> even when we watched, uh, what yeah. was it? Uh, Would you rather? <clears throat> yeah. Or they cut his eye. Like that's the. Can you imagine being alive and getting your eye just. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, I believed it when this guy was screaming. You know, it's like that's probably you know what it would be like. I you know if you had the pain level or the intensity of getting somebody you know holding your head, slicing your. Yeah, you need to watch. Is it is it the Salvador Dali movie? Yeah, they do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the yeah Chin Andalou. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one's probably the worst because they have some sort of prosthetic and they show the razor slice into the eyeball. Or you can watch Zombie. Ugh. Yeah, I was a nice eye effect in there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah that'll get you. Wood. Oh, the ocular trauma. Mm. Is it too excessive for this movie, or is it in keeping with well, no, what, the style of this movie? 
this uh, this movie like it's I was watching it thinking like is this like it is it's very stylized but like it's a bleak bleak uh portrayal of Bangkok and the, or the underbelly of it right um and I think that the scenes of violence not that they're refreshing but there's actual action and movement going on yeah. like it's not something up and- you don't have to interpret <laughs> yeah. it. Like it's happening, and it's you know for the most part it's it's super violent and uh, like I think at, with our culture, Americans we're we're used to you know that level of violence. Maybe this is a little bit more on the torture side, and it might be a little bit more uh, in your face and kind of. It, it doesn't. The camera never pans away. I think we're used to more panning away in our movies. Mm-hmm. But um, overall, I I don't think it was too much. Not for this movie because this is a bleak fucking movie. This is like as as beautiful as it looks, you know, with the colors and the yeah. photography. Yeah, it's just like ugh. It just feels seedy and dirty. Mm-hmm. Like everything about it feels dirty. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, like you were saying, it's a very beautiful movie using, you know, I mean, because it's... Uh, Neon it's will the, do that. The upsides to yeah. to films, you know, you get to travel around the world kind of virtually and see different, you know, cities or areas of cities. Even if you were a tourist there, you'd never right. go to these places, yeah. you know, and movies are able to take you there. And you see Bangkok, you know, from like above. And then once it gets down to like street level, it you know, it starts to get a little grimy and then it moves into... Like the alleys, and you know, where people are living with you know, well hung dogs, you know, <laughs> it just <laughs> it just keeps on like deteriorating. But I think at the same time, you see like you know where Crystal's staying, you know, in like the the best hotel, and yeah, you know, so you kind of have this, you know, a, I mean, I would say I guess it's a wide spectrum of like what you know life in this Oriental city is like. Sure. Know? Because yeah. we don't see this in a whole lot of other movies. I mean, you know, you yeah. just don't. Nobody sets anything in, in, in Thailand. Well, and yeah, just the the culture of the city. It feels like. I mean, for for uh, someone from Finland, Norway, uh, Denmark, Denmark. Sorry, somebody from Denmark to write this movie. It feels like they he had to have spent time. You know, like a considerable amount of time within the culture of this. Yeah, I think when you're on that side of the world, I think you do tend to visit more places because I mean, everything, mostly everything's like fucking train right away, you know, everything. You can, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely easier. That's true. Yeah. Well, why is every movie about Thailand about fucking kickboxing? Like they don't do anything else there. <laughs> prostitutes. Dude. Yeah, and prostitutes. Yeah, the number one export dude. <laughs> That's all they do kicks. there. Lady boys and fucking Muay Thai. Is it because he even had to ask? Are they all women? Fifty percent. He did. Said. Did he, he say fifty? You brought it up before the movie, and they like, asked the question oh, in the dude, movie. I thought lady that was boys. Funny. It's Thailand. Where else? Of course, there's gonna be lady boys. I'm shocked we didn't see one. Was well, it just? Shocked. I mean, you know, because I saw what was the other thing? like Skin Trade or whatever the Dolph Lundgren, Dolph Lundgren Tony yeah. Jaw movie. Maybe that was the Philippines, but yeah. you're still in the same you know area of the world. And it seems like you get into these. You know, maybe it's just. Anytime you're doing like an action or a thriller movie or something that takes place with crime, you know, as being this might be a good setting for a dramatic story mm. that you're going to end up like setting it in. They never send like, you know, who would it be? Keanu Reeves and so and so to Bangkok to have well, like, you like, know, whatever the, which, the English patient. Was it Mission Impossible? The third one, maybe they were, I mean, they were 
somewhere like that. But it's always like it's the Hollywood version of it. It's like this feels like really like what Bangkok is probably like, except with the lights. Or the neon well, helps it. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, like the the stuff on the street. I think is really like that. I mean. The, the stuff indoors I don't know if like it seems like everywhere they went was red and blue and like long hallways and mm-hmm. just everywhere they went it felt like we were in a, a apartment building mm. like even if it was, it was a Dario Argento movie you were in uh, a Dario Argento movie see that's what I that's what I seriously when I saw it yeah. it was part of the appeal it's exactly what it is it's it red like, blue yellow green but it's a different it's it's like an extension of of Argento. It's not like, you know, it's not like mimicry of it, right? It's like taking it to the uh, next level. He's not uh, using the same type of color palette. Here's stretch. I don't know. No, that's the same he's color palette. That's they, fucking Suspiria well, right I know, there. I was looking at the, the, whatever, the patterns on the wall, like the wallpaper patterns. I'm like, black and white wallpaper patterns and colored lights. That's all Suspiria. <laughs> I say this movie's Suspiria. But it's got like these awesome, you know, like... In the club where Chang sings karaoke, which is also something that's just uh, odd. Jeez, Multiple times. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's a worship service. You know, yeah. I, No, it's that part of the <laughs> world. Everybody I think karaoke. he orders all those police to be here. Yeah. They just <laughs> it's have like, to you will come and watch and sing karaoke. Right? Yeah. But it has these red lanterns, like, all on across the, the entire ceiling. ceiling. Yeah. It's got like Christmas lights up and down the side and these red and harsh red and blue lights. It's just really cool looking. And you're like, what the hell am I looking at? Even when they go to a place that's not uh, lit with the, you know, unnatural color scheme, like uh, it wasn't the like the, wasn't, a restaurant, maybe. No, I was thinking. Well, no, even that has like it's all red in the and background. Gold. Yeah. Yeah. The- the, but the where the uh, the guy who planned the hit and the, the like retarded kid. Yeah. Oh yeah, and like it's like some sort of it's like a junkyard or something. It's, but everything's hung from the ceiling. Yeah, you know, which yeah. is really kind of weird. Actually, now I'm thinking about it. There's a river right outside that place. You put everything on the ceiling, so it doesn't. Oh, the, so it doesn't floods. flood. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But it's a unique visual look. You know, when you see it, you're like, "What in the hell? Holy hell! Why is everything like hanging from the ceiling that you usually expect to see on the floor?" Yeah. I don't know. They're just more efficient. Yeah. Um, Cleaner. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let me think. Is that, have we already cleared out? Only God forgives it like a half hour. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, pacing. I mean, I've got it. The pacing of it is just like. (sighs) Fucking like. Glacial? (laughs) Yes. It's like sitting on a hot pan. (laughs) Like how long? I'm going to put it in this 90 minute movie. Like, all right, this shouldn't be a problem. While you sit on this hot frying pan, it's it just feels that way. Everybody crawls through the scene. It just, I this is why I just don't get the point. Like, this movie could have been a half an hour long. It could have been if you just didn't, if everybody walked and talked normal. Everybody, like, I just don't fucking get it. I just don't fucking get this type of filmmaking. Yeah, there's not until I, like, I the later half of the movie, do people actually start maybe. Well, the mother kind of conversing in a, the mother's the up, only yeah. character in this fucking conversing movie. It's like realistic way. at all, or you know, in, except for the whole like yeah. your brother has a bigger cock than you. That was a little, but uh, still, like I don't know. Everybody, just, everything just moves so it is almost like a filmmaker that doesn't want a script, and he's just like walk here D- slower, slower. I'm just gonna put it all on Gus's <laughs> face. 
Move your head a little. Okay, do it a little slower. <laughs> That's like, kind of, what do you want me to do here? Slow. Just whatever you do, just do it slower. Just don't move. Just be very still. You moved your eyebrows a little bit <laughs> there. The uh, I can't have you emote any facial expressions. You're this guy who looks at his hands. Go yeah. slower. <laughs> okay, so I guess that's the question then. It's deliberate, if nothing yes. else. Like but it was drive is the same way. Purpose. He does that. That's this guy, right? Well, he thinks it's genius. Like, I know. I will have this guy well, not say anything. He'll do nothing. But why? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I'm not trying to figure out this guy. I don't like this filmmaker. I don't care about why. He just sucks. Or I think that's stupid. <laughs> Personally. Everybody has to do something. My character will do nothing. He'll do nothing. <laughs> I'm the greatest filmmaker in all Denmark. <laughs> I don't know. The I greatest just fuck- Mexican filmmaker. Yeah. Ever? yeah. <laughs> hey, Cabron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't get it, though. I just, it, it is almost like those, I don't know, I guess what I would imagine. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, not to change the pacing subjects, but for some reason that made me think of, it's interesting that this movie is like, a normal film would like that's about a family that runs drugs or is, you know, deals drugs or has a big crime circuit in Bangkok. It would be about that, but it's not. I mean, it's about this. It's all about, you know, getting revenge on these people that, you know, killed his brother or their, her son. It's the, the drugs don't really come into it. I mean, other than like they make a couple mentions of it, but that's not why they're people are killing people. It's because his brother, you know, killed this prostitute and then he got killed by her dad. And that's really mm-hmm. what the whole thing is about, which is it's really about a guy who wanders around, looks at his hands while his mother tries to like backdoor him to like trying to kill the cop while the cop is actively looking for who set up this hit on me. You know, while this guy looks at his hands. (laughs) 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 Fucking stupid. He can't forgive himself. That's why only God forgives is because he can't forgive himself. But it's just like, I just don't buy this character. You know, I just, I don't know. What what did they say about him killing his dad? I was asleep by his dad. Just killed him with his bare hands. Yeah, well, I mentioned it twice. uh, But why? Did they say why? Well, was it so he could fuck his mother? Mom asked him to. Yeah, she said, uh, "I only asked you to do this once before, uh, you know. So I'm going to ask you, but I needed to do it again, so he won't hurt me. Kill this guy Chang or whatever. Kill oh, this so cop. his dad like beat his mom, so he something. So she used him as the instrument of killing her husband, and then so that's fucked him up, you know, <laughs> for the rest of his life. And now, yeah, I don't. Know, I mean. I don't know. I mean, I guess, see, that's where I, when I read, you know, when you're watching it, it's like it does feel like there's something there. And even this guy, because he doesn't say a whole lot, it does. It still feels like and I guess it's a tribute to the acting, you know, or lack of or whatever, the stillness of the performance. <laughs> it feels like there's shit going on below the surface. So it only feels really, that. Well, it, just because I mean, he just slightly his turns his face. head a little bit, but that's what he looked like in Drive. Are they the same character? Is it a reoccurring character that this guy writes? I just don't get it. I think this. I think this is more of a reoccurrence of the the character in Valhalla Rising for sure. Yeah, same thing. There's with something. That movie. Yeah, that that seems more linked than the guy in Drive. Well, Drive is the. I mean, this is a this is a foreign film. Yeah, Drive is the American. 
version. Like if we were to split what he made, he made an American movie in Drive. He took his sensibilities and made what more elements of an American. Yeah, more Hollywood. Yeah, it was more Hollywood, but more this is more Bollywood. It's but it, this is but this is I mean Drive this is Hollywood. This is Bollywood. This makes sense as more like that was the American version of his way of directing. This is definitely a foreign film. To me. Especially if you're just going to do a revenge movie, right? Like, those are very definitely feels simple like an old, fucking movies An to old do. Chinese to, revenge To make movie. those artistic is jumping the shark to my ass. It's just like, why? Why is... Because to me, it's like, well, we didn't really have story. Because, I mean, you got a little bit of story in here. But we need to, like, fill time with people entering and leaving scenes really slow. So you know everyone has a chip on their shoulder. I just... Who walks around? People just don't walk around like that. Like zombies. I just find it... I don't know. I don't know what it is. I guess that's what I'm still trying to crack because I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. You know, it's I, like I everything it's else. Like, it does. It I feels feel like, like I have a handle on, but that's like, you know, I see Chang come home. He's got like five fucking steps. He's got to go off. He takes each shoe off and then walks one step at a time. You know, at this measured pace. <laughs> so you think a step. lot about it. <laughs> I think that's what it is. It gives you time to just think. What's he doing? What's he doing? I'm not doing anything. I'm well, just telling you, this guy to walk time, slow. I guess to to watch and just to see and for you know the extension of it. I was actually having this thought while I was up in the bathroom. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, me well, too. We're all, all great thoughts of my best done about this movie. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking that like, you know, I have some kind of uh, attraction to <laughs> movies that move at a at a slower than normal pace, <laughs> right? Like other movies, I just watched The Martian today, and like there's a lot happening in that movie, and it, it feels like every other movie that you watch but by, by its pace. It's the expected pace of a Hollywood film. And somehow I like it when they slow things down, and it's like now you're just going to actually sit there and watch these things happen, and you do have time to think about what you're seeing and contemplate. But that's, you know, I mean, that's uh, painting on the wall, right? I mean, that might as well be. That's a, just a different form of art. It seems like. With our society, and yeah, I mean, I guess you can do it in film, but the whole, like, it's... That's what, what this movie is, just a bunch of paintings. It's silent it, it filmmaking. It's, yeah. <laughs> Where, like, you know, I mean, it's beautiful, and it's... Saying something. It's saying something, but it's... And it's saying something to you, yes. specifically, Colin... Where, like, I mean, and maybe, who knows, we'll find out in wrap-ups what everyone thinks, but I think that also it's like a piece of art, you know, that... That's you. You can. I. I would liken it to a piece of art more than I would a film. But is it deep enough to be considered art? Because I think I don't care if he stares at his hands because he feels guilty. But it's like that's not a deep enough subject for me to want to watch people walk slowly but and it, look I mean, at things. It is to Colin, where you know maybe something else might. Well, but that's what I'm at. Why is that interesting? Why just him? If he's self reflect, just why does that need to be? "Quote unquote art." If all it is is a guy who's thinking, uh, whatever, he's oh, I feel bad about what I did. Why is that topic? Because I just don't feel like it's a deep enough topic to be art. Well, well, right, because it's. Uh, we were saying it's a revenge story. And that's yeah. a simple story, and they just expand it out longer than it needs to be. But there's something. I mean, now we're saying, you know, you know. As you were talking about, you're saying like we, you know, are assuming that you know the hands mean this and whatever. So it's like we've solved it or whatever. We've assigned a meaning to this symbol, and so now we can look. And it's back our and meaning, talk. which even makes right. it more pointless, right? <laughs> or, or that's what 
actually gives it something. It's our meaning. We took something out of this is going to be different than the next guy who watches it kind of thing. So it becomes like our version of the movie. And I think in some way, so it's interactive, I guess, in that way, right? But what if you're completely then, fucking wrong and then like... But but who's going to tell me that I'm wrong? Well, but I don't because know. Like, I, I guess it doesn't matter. You. To me, I guess if a filmmaker isn't like clear enough to tell you what he his meaning is... Perfectly. It's like looking at a painting. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much the well, perfect. But is it one of those paintings where someone just like slops a bunch of shit and they're like, "It's called Chicken in a Hailstorm," mm-hmm. and it's just like, "What the <laughs> fuck is it, though?" Copyright 2016. I don't think Saturday Night Freak Show, Chicken right. in a Hailstorm. It's just like I just <laughs> don't. Well, think, well, I guess that's the question. Right? I mean, you can't tell if a guy is just fucking around and putting like a bunch of yeah. random stuff. I always tell or the story of this right. uh, you know, guy who made it. I always tell the story of this this musician. I went to Afghanistan stand with and he said these lyrics i was like well these are interesting lyrics what do they mean he goes what do they mean to you i was like oh they don't mean a fucking thing you just strung a bunch of words together that sounds really deep and then you want people to walk away with something but you the fucking artist have nothing except for a facsimile of what a poem is or something and so i always look at that when i look at movies like this i don't like to assign meaning to things unless they can truly tell me what the meaning is because I just feel like, I don't know, the guy could just be like, and he looks at his hands, and blood comes out of the faucet on his hand. It's just like fucking shit. Yeah, but it checks out. But right? it doesn't matter if it the, checks out. It's just like, well, eh, it's unimportant. Like, like okay, like in, uh, you know, movies like Ray, right? Whenever they do one of these autobiography, like music movies, like Dragon, right? Where they have to come up with this really stupid symbolism for something, right? I'm packing my bags, and I feel the dead foot of my brother in the water from him drowning. You know, it's just like... Yeah, did Ray Charles really walk around like feeling his fucking like dead his dead drowned brother in his in his fucking lawn? Like, it just well, isn't it? I mean, it's mental guess, masturbation. Well, it kind of goes back to the idea of like what cinema is, right? I mean, earlier we were talking about this is kind of like silent cinema. You're telling a story by putting pictures together. You're trying to communicate an idea through an image, right? So you're trying to convey what Ray is. Felt it, you know, multiple times in his life. But we've got two hours or whatever to convey this. How do we convey it quickly? We choose a symbol or a metaphor that we assign that meaning to, and then when you see it, you're like, every time you see it during the movie, the fucking Indian and the doors, you know, or whatever. It's like it has a standard. Well, but then, then I would say like the people that watch like Kubrick and find fucking Apollo Eleven like conspiracy. Well, then they're right. They're a hundred percent right because they can look and be like, see, man, all those Indian cans were not, they were all facing different directions. But in that one scene, they're all looking at us. So what Kubrick's really saying is that the Indian, we stole the nation from the Indian. You know, it's just like, fuck, really? Is that what he's saying? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I see some like buffalo pictures on the wall in The Shining. But is he trying to tell me that we took this land from the Indians? I don't fucking know. I can't but talk to him. I suppose that's why The Shining becomes like this thing that has endured for so many years because people can look at it. It's but like a Rorschach. All they're watch, doing is right? saying, what's it about? This is what I think. What's it about? Yeah. This is what I... But no one's pinpointing it. No, but that's... Isn't that why those movies live on longer than like uh, moving violations? See, I don't... I, I want to say so because I don't think like today's generation <laughs> right, is you've watching... You've never heard of it because it went, you know, came out and went away. Uh, but I'm saying like I don't think today's generation like, is watching The Shining. You know what I'm saying? 
They're not. They're not dissecting that shit. There just still seems to be an awful lot of talk about it. Like it's because watching. film schools keep perpetuating this. This is what you should watch because this is what we say is genius and it's, what you should listen to. The Shining is on Netflix starting today or like last week. But listener, really? Yeah, I got an email today. <laughs> I mean, fuck. I was in the when I was in the army in like my quote unquote film school. This one marine guy. Oh yeah, of course Kubrick is his favorite. I'm like, no shit, really. Your favorite director. I'm shocked. <laughs> you like movies and Stanley Kubrick's our favorite director. <laughs> <laughs> Blows my mind. Well, so I, I don't know. I just don't like. I. It's not that I don't like symbolism in movies. I just don't think it needs to be shoved down your fucking throat like like this guy does it. It's just. It's just like. What's this mean? We stuck in his hands and our. Fu- it's like. So you're 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 stepping out of every point of reality just to fucking give me something that I still have to be like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Like, I don't know. This is, eh. Well, I mean, I, I guess this is kind of going to what you're saying, but you know, it's the the idea of assigning interpretations to movies. The movie then makes means something to you, and then you know, if it doesn't mean that to the filmmaker, does that? negate your impression of the movie and a prime example of this that i've always had was ridley scott and blade runner i've seen blade runner a bunch of times love the movie and i take out Rough. of it a meaning right hey, wait, have you seen it am i gonna ruin this by no spoilers i don't like it, <laughs> I don't care for it either. so the whole idea that deckard is this cop who's been pulled out of retirement to chase these replicants down that's how I've always seen it. This is a movie about a human, and he's dealing with these inhuman uh, uh, creations. And then uh, Ridley Scott goes, you know, well, Deckard's a, a replicant. No, well, he has said yeah, in that interviews that Deckard is a replicant. That that doesn't mesh with the way I've seen the movie the whole time that I've ever seen it. Mm. So this way, the filmmaker actually telling me what he intended fucked my version of <laughs> right. So I guess that's maybe why. But in the I'm book, the- wasn't Decker a replicant? Pretty sure, right? In the actual uh, Android's Dream of Electric Sheep? I don't think so. I think he made that's that why it's titled the- that, right? Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, right? Yeah, but he's talking about the, the replicants, isn't he? Yeah. You tell me. But I think that's why. Tell me. I think that's why, in some cases, the you know it is valid to have something where, like The Shining, or like this, or you know those type of movies where you set something up and you go, or a David Lynch movie. It's like you watch it and you take something away from it, and then you'll talk to the guy next to you and tell him, and they're like, "I didn't fucking see that at all. I saw this." Did you both like the movie? You know, I guess is one of the questions. But if you did and you saw two different movies, who's to say which one is wrong, right? Mm. Right. So I think too much of a concrete uh, explanation in some ways does, I don't know, it it somehow it it literalizes movies. And then it's like, well, then, okay. But I think the to have thing, a narrative. I watched it. It's done. It's solved. And... No, I don't have but I think to, to have a narrative, you make need them, make some. Them, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, you could throw them away more easily. Right. See, I think I could throw this away more easily because, like I said, if it there's not enough of – it doesn't stand on its own as a movie that you can just, oh, it's about – it's all the, oh, look at this. What does that mean? It's just like, fuck, the whole thing's just uh, – it's, it's just images. At that point, it's not a narrative. It's not. It's just images. And then, like, what? What is, what is the? You decide the narrative. It's like, well, fuck. That wasn't my job. You made the movie. You decide the fucking narrative. Show me. 
You know, like, I don't know. Not that it's not fun to, like I said, it's not, there's plenty of movies. I want to show adaptation and I've got a, I've got a take on adaptation that I'm pretty sure most people think when they see the movie, but I'm not sure. But, you know, so I, it's not that I don't like movies that do that. I just don't like movies that only try to be that and really don't try to be like a normal fucking movie at all. No, well, maybe that's a good place to uh, go to Igor's mailbag. Wait, do we have anything left? Anybody on Only God Forgives? Only God forgives. Igor, where are you at, sir? Masters! Masters, the mail! I've got the mail. So many letters. Our followers are rising. Rising. And thank you, Igor. As always, you can comment on Facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show, and we'll read your comment on the air. We got a comment from Jonathan Kehoe about Only God Forgives. Thanks for writing in, Jonathan. Uh, We asked him. uh, Thanks, John. Or I just posted the question, what was your favorite of Ruffin's movies, and what did you think of this one? He said Drive was his favorite. He's heard bad things about this one, but he's going to have to check it out. We'll right. see. <laughs> I think if you like yep. Drive, you'll probably like this. But we're going to find out Ryan about Ryan Gosling says nothing and looks uh, nothing. <laughs> that's, no, see, that's not true. All right, so wrap-ups start with Brent. No, no, no that's, Brent. Um, that's oh, true. Wait, wait, they're still whether true. seeing one makes you like the other one <laughs> offhand. All right. Right. Well, yeah. Um, you know, I, I I really liked Drive when I saw it, and I think that it it is strange. I think that these because this came out after Drive, right? Mm-hmm. So this was something that like Drive put Reffin on the map. Um, and I haven't gone back and seen any of his other stuff, but from speaking with Colin, it sounds like a lot of his other stuff is more like only God forgives. Yeah, than it seems it like is. drives the anomaly. Like, yeah, and I think yeah, we probably. Well, I don't know. We it. saw that pusher thing in that, or the trailer. That looks more like a straight ahead. But did he direct that, or was that pretty? He did the original three. Oh, part. he did. Okay. It's three okay. movies: Pusher, one, two, and three. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I I don't know because I like Drive so much, and I. This I just don't like. Like Travis is saying, I can't wrap my head around it. I mean, I think that we have a loose outline of what he was going for, but it is—it's pretty loose. Um, I think that maybe with more viewings, uh, I could get it, but I just don't want to. Sit yeah, <laughs> I'd have to cut my eyelids off just yeah. to. Uh, I guess that yeah. copy you own is getting thrown in the trash. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, eBay. I mean, it's something. Yeah. I, Come on, I know it's only ninety minutes, but man, it feels like three hours, and it's it is the uh, it it is it's the stagnant uh, characters that are blocking. It's something like nobody moves throughout this whole film, and when they do, they kill somebody. Which, I mean, that's all well and good, but it's just like these characters, I don't like them. Um, I can't relate to anybody in this movie. Um, It's, yeah, it's foreign. I mean, it's... It's American, it's but it's, it's foreign. <laughs> it's foreign. That's not, hey, that's one of them foreign movies. That's not why I didn't like it. <laughs> not because I had to. I had to read a little bit. <laughs> but but uh, I guess I showed my hand there. But the thing is, is uh, like I, I get frustrated with just staring at, like I mean maybe 
maybe the ladies out there like staring at Ryan Gosling, but I can't do it for like 10 minutes, you know, or he doesn't do anything. <laughs> he's, he's just standing there or, you know, whoever it may be. He looks hurt inside. He, well, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's got the, the sad eyes for sure. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, I was excited about this film. I really wanted <laughs> to see it uh, when I first heard about it, but I think that uh, if you're going to, you know, it depends on who you are out there, but I, I would say if you want to see a Nicholas Winding Refn film, see Drive, um, if you're from this country. Dom, maybe, maybe you'll like, I don't know how Australians are, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you'll like this better, or maybe somebody out there will have the same, see something in it that Colin sees. I respect it from like a technical achievement. I think that it looks, it looks good. It looks really good. Um, the a lot of the compositions kind of remind me of Kubrick a little bit. I mean, some centering of the characters, which I always appreciate. That um, you do get a good a good taste of the city of Bangkok. Um, I mean, from high highest from like the fanciest to the lowest lows. You know the the seedy underbelly of the city. It's all there. Yeah, this is not a promotional film for... Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> for, but, <laughs> but they never see, are, right? I come mean, and like, see the seedy side of... <laughs> yeah. Phyllis Bangkok. Bon King Cobra. With Burma. Whatever. <laughs> that whole place. <laughs> I don't know. I would like to... St- I, no, I can't. I mean, I, I would say, you know, I would skip this one. Um... Unless you have a lot of patience, a lot of patience. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I can't recommend it on good conscience. All right. Um, yeah, I also can't recommend this movie. I thought it was pretty boring. I did stay awake though. You did it. I did it. I I made a liar out of Colin because he predicted that I was going to be asleep within the first half hour. But, um, uh, it was it was very boring and drawn out. I think it had moments of potential to be better, and it just didn't. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna pass on this one too. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, it's a very pretty movie. Um, I think Brent Brent kind of pegged it um, when he said to, to me it's like um, it is like looking at a painting. But it's I think if you were to use that to look at other movies. Like other movies are just one big painting with a many brush strokes. This feels like it's uh, multiple paintings just lined up together and you can get you can get meaning out of uh, looking at specific ones, but maybe they don't all connect to each other. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to anybody else but me, but that's how it feels to me. Um, I, I can't recommend it. Um, yeah, other than it being pretty, I can't uh, I, I couldn't sit through that again. Um. Uh, yeah, I'll stick with Drive, and I'm I'm not excited to see another, or at least written by, Reffin movie. Um, that's the Neon Neon Demon, Demon coming, coming in 2016. out. I don't know if I'm gonna, that's gonna be on my list of be like, oh, I must see it. Is Ryan Gosling in that? Uh, yes. Oh, is it Keanu Reeves? Oh fuck! Great. And, is it, and is it written by him? They might not Maybe. say anything. I'll I'll look at it, but I don't. I'm not excited to see his next work. I don't think I'll stick with Drive. I can't recommend this one. Um, if you're if you're a, a Refn fan, you've seen like the Pusher trilogy and everything else. Then yeah, you should see it. But uh, I can't recommend it. 
You know, it's a lot of like, I don't even know what you want to call it. Film purist, I guess what I'm about to say would be like fucking sacrilege. But it's like, you know, the reason we had silent films is because we had no options, right? So you had silent films. So people, you know, no one needed dialogue or even writing. They were That's when people really just watched what the characters were doing and they got the story out of literally just looking at the pictures, right? But then we've had we've got all these tools and you know filmmaking. I, I think filmmaking has to change in that way, right? With new technology or new like it adds to the story. Not that you can't use elements of you know elements of the past, but I think you do get to a point where it's just like you can't have a fucking silent movie. You just really can't. Not that I, I don't know. It, it just moves too slow. It just like yeah, and especially like I don't know. You can either have Scarface. Or you could have fucking, you know, an art house movie. I don't think you could do Scarface art art house. I just think they're because okay. Number one, I don't believe uh, Ryan Gosling's like. I don't think such a sensitive character would make it in that world. It just doesn't seem like it fits. You know, it just doesn't seem like. I don't know. It just. I mean, same thing with. Really, I kind of have a very weird conservative problem with movies in general that are built around pretty horrible people like like in drive i thought it's like well this is a horrible person he's a fucking like criminal driver that's trying to fuck this guy's wife while his husband's i don't feel anything for this fucking dude but not at the end but not at the end it's that, about a monster that shows how much of a pussy whip guy he is he'd be like okay your husband's out i'll still no, drive at the end, he's not a horrible person Oh, why not? I, He's a hero at the end of the movie. He made a self-sacrifice. Oh, <laughs> but that doesn't mean he still can't be a criminal driver, right? He's just there's a difference between being a like a hero in the audience's eyes and being a hero in the moral view of it. I guess, right? Yeah. But, oh. but uh, I mean, yeah, this movie it looks beautiful. I mean, really fucking beautiful. There's the scene where. How do I even fucking describe it? It's a goddamn picture. It's like <laughs> you'd say you'd have to see it to to well because it's just literally a picture. I could be like Ryan Gosling standing there in daylight. It's framed almost like it's a four by three image because you got the doors oh, yeah, on it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then he's looking at another dude who's framed by doors, and it's it's a slightly slender image. Mm-hmm. It's like that's right there is what I'm talking about. It's like those are fucking beautiful images, right? But like it, that doesn't make a movie to me. Movies are editing, they are movement, they're pacing, they're they're script, they're dialogue, they're they're all these things, not just one or two elements of these things. Yes, you can have lighting. You can have, you can have, you know, blah, blah, blah. If, if you let all the, if you don't pay any attention to the other things, you know, it's, it's only going to be as good as whatever. Because uh, I really did find the, uh, the, uh, the fucking like the, the killer cop guy really intriguing. You know, that character really intrigued me, but you didn't get to know anything about him. It's like, okay, cool. Whatever. Takes a sword, does shit. Okay, cool. Nothing else to tell. Okay. All right. Like, fuck, there's no story in this. Just, I'm going to walk to my house, slowly enter my house, say hello to my daughter, put my sword on the thing. (laughs) And pull a sword out of my soul. Yeah, cool. Cool. But it doesn't tell me fucking shit. It doesn't, like, uh, and in some things, there's not even, like, clues to it, right? You could watch this a billion times, and you're like, 
Like, even if he was the old boxer guy, doesn't mean, well, what made him decide to become a cop and start fucking chopping people's arms off? What made him start being this, like, this uh, balancing scale of uh, good and evil or whatever, right? Um, so, I mean, yeah, I don't recommend any of this guy's movies. <laughs> like, Ball <laughs> Rising Dry. I, he, I'm the anti this fucking guy. <laughs> I just am. Like, I even hate Ryan Gosling because of this type of movies. I hate him. Like, when I saw that Nice Guys trailer, I'm like, eh, Frank Gosling wasn't in it. <laughs> All because of these silent fucking pretentious roles. You should see the movie he directed, Lost River. Oh, Jesus. Good name. <laughs> well, that's... It's his soul or something along the lines of, uh, of this. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Shocker. It's a movie that's full of symbols and, and uh, long passages. I mean... Uh, well, I got to address a bunch of stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm a fan of Ryan Gosling only in the movies that I've seen him in, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But I, his filmography, I appreciate the fact that, like, we've got this guy who's, like, a good actor who's mm-hmm. been coming up through the ranks and hasn't really gone, you know, into uh, big budget Hollywood stuff. You know, he's, like, still striking that kind of I'm going to do – uh, movies that satisfy, you know, himself kind of thing. Mm. Kind of like, uh, what do you got, like Saoirse Ronan or somebody like that is like the female version. Of, like, she's a good actress, mm. but she's never appeared in like some big blockbuster thing that I can I can tell off the bat. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's something about this movie specifically that does speak to me. And I mean, you know, the first time I saw it, I can only explain the experience as being transfixing or hypnotic, right? The use of the music, Cliff Martinez's music, the 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 editing, the rhythm, the style, the which I think is technically flawless. I mean, like the what this guy is doing with his camera and the way that he moves stuff around is like, you know, aces. Um you know, the story does appeal to me as like, you know, it's a it's basically a B movie story that's made somehow more interesting by the use of the symbols to explain an interior life of the character. I'm not saying everybody should do this and I'm not saying that it's always successful, even in this movie. Right. But somehow, I don't know, that just appeals to me. And like, it's on, it's one of those like wavelength movies where you're like, you sit there and you watch it and you, it's like you experience it, I guess, more than you, you know, no, not like pay attention to it, you know, because you are like drawing stuff in. But it's like a Terrence Malick movie, right? Or something where you sit and you kind of dream while you're watching the movie because there's enough time in between cuts where you can it like envelops you in some very strange way. And that I just find, you know, uh, interesting. I don't like it when everybody does it, but I like it when uh, Ruffin does it. I mean, now having seen three of his movies. And I'm not saying I'm going to go run out tomorrow and go see Bronson. Obviously, I've known that, you know, Pusher and Bronson and all that have been around forever and haven't really felt the desire because those subjects, Bronson. Yeah. <clears throat> Directed Bronson. Uh huh. That was the first one, I think, that, but quote unquote, well, I'm, Pusher put him on the map in Denmark. Bronson put him on the map Bronson internationally. Was the thing that, yeah. And then I think Drive, like, made him this huge overnight success where it's like, you know, that's when Hollywood comes calling and Hollywood goes, well, you know, what, you know, I mean, the career path mm. of the indie filmmaker 
is James Wan makes Saw. He makes Insidious, then he moves up to making The Conjuring, and then he goes to Furious 7, <clears throat> right? So it's somewhere along the line that had to have been offered to Refn after Drive. I'm sure. There was like oh, yeah. an offer here, read this script and whatever. He just didn't want to go and to the pedophile guy, gay sex ring that you have to. <laughs> yeah, he said, no, I'm going to, well, I mean, I think probably, I mean, I, this is just conjecture, right? I don't fucking know the guy, but I'm just like, probably because of the 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 spotlight, I imagine, in Copenhagen, Denmark, there's like, who else fucking comes from, <laughs> you know, you got you and Lars von Trier. Basically, so you can't be like the guy who directs Furious 8. You have to be another, you know, filmmaker. So he's off charting his own path and he goes and he makes Only God Forgives, which is a very, it's a personal movie to him, I feel, that he is trying to communicate some something maybe experimentally in a style that he's trying to develop, which is like, that's what's interesting about cinema, I guess, in some ways, right? The fact that, you know, where everything else does kind of look the same, it's like, I'm not going to see another movie like this until he makes another movie. I mean, last week we watched Celebrity. I think the same thing applies to Woody Allen. You know, you're not going to see another Woody Allen movie until he makes one. That's important, I think, in in cinema. And I think, you know, the way that, you know, we talk about pace and putting things together and, and making movies that are not entirely silent, but, you know, you look back at like Alfred Hitchcock and, you know, the way that that guy used editing and 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 told stories without dialogue, Brian De Palma. But, but you didn't need to too. guess anything Hitchcock was doing. He fucking tells – he shows you – I mean, that all that brilliance is in show how he shows you, right? Yeah. Well, no, I, I it, he, he doesn't leave the – He's not working with, I don't think, so much symbol symbolism and metaphor for psychological. That doesn't sound right either. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like to try and imply a psychological depth to his characters, Refn is using like the symbols of the hands. What do the hands stand for? It's like you got to work that shit out yourself in order to figure out, you know, what's there. But then when it's there, it's like you watch the movie and it is a full narrative i mean it does feel like it's a full you know film it doesn't feel like there's pieces missing it's like it's there and you know i think that is a taste-based thing that you know some people will be uh uh you know uh on the wavelength of it and it's going to leave other people cold i guess that's why you say it's not a commercial movie you know you make a movie that's going to appeal to the mass audience or this one's going to appeal to like three people, you know, more than that. But <clears throat> I think for that, it's interesting for sure. And I think that deserves a recommendation for me anyway, uh, because it's an interesting blot on the, you know, timeline of, uh, of film. And I think that's kind of what makes, you know, looking into, into movies, you know, kind of an adventure to keep you from just kind of like, Oh God, I'm so bored with watching movies, if it's the same stale thing all the time, it's like sometimes these things pop up and they're like, what in the holy fuck is that? And then, you know, that's, I guess, my, where my appeal is to the thing. So, uh, and I think, you know, probably I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now, right. I'm predicting years, five years from now, we're going to have to check and see if like anybody's talking about this movie or if it's mm. completely, you know, if they revisit it, if you see like analyses and blogs yeah. and stuff like that, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it'll just get swept under the rug, but we'll see. So, anyway, that's Only God Forgives. 
on the Saturday Night Freak Show. And next week, Jenny's up. Jenny, what are we going to watch? We are going to watch The Princess Bride. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> uh, so that's next week on the Saturday Night Freak Show. And until then, the basement is going dark.